Welcome to An Anonymous Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Yemi. And today we have a super exciting guest. So Yemi, um, I'll turn it over to you and you can ask Cicely to introduce themselves. Yeah, so Cicely, uh, welcome to An Anonymous. Hey, everybody. Uh, still dealing with Rona, still dealing with the lock, well, somewhat lockdowns uh, here in Toronto. Uh, as Bailey said, super excited uh, to have Cicely on uh, the podcast as our first official guest. We've never had done this before. Um, and so with further ado, Cicely, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm very honored to be your first official guest. Um, mm-hmm. I'm coming to you from Detroit, Michigan. I'm an artist here, and I also work as um, a curator, an event organizer, and I do organizing around sobriety and anti-street harassment here in Detroit. Amazing. So I remember, my gosh, this was two years ago because last year it was a chrysalis year for Allied Media Conference, but uh, two years ago in 2018, uh, we met at Allied Media Conference, which is a conference in Detroit that is a convening of just an amazing group of people doing radical work um, across Turtle Island. And uh, I attended your workshop on radical sobriety. So uh, would you be able to share a bit about what radical sobriety is and kind of, you know, um, how you landed there? And uh, if if you do feel comfortable also sharing a bit about your journey, but definitely no pressure. Uh, sure. So um, radical sobriety is just kind of reframing the narrative of sobriety a bit. Um, typically, the narrative goes from someone gets involved with substance abuse at some age and they hit a rock bottom, maybe they join AA. Um, And radical sobriety is kind of this idea that many different people can come to the conclusion that they don't want to be engaging in supporting larger companies that benefit over our addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a way in which we can use our own bodies and and minds to kind of create the experience of um, what I think different substances are selling us. So for instance, I like to use coffee. Um, It's selling us the ability to be energized and awake. That's something that our bodies Mm -hmm. can do for ourselves. We really work with it. Mm, That's really interesting. And so radical sobriety is calling for us to look at the conditions. And when you say the, uh, it makes me think of like the ways in which um, systems impact uh, and and just thinking about like, when I say systems, um, experiences of like racism, homophobia, sexual violence, et cetera, um, are things that we experience as human beings, well, can experience, (laughs) um, and how we turn to different coping mechanisms. So radical sobriety would call us to examine the ways in which those experiences also intersect with, um, yeah, larger, larger, um, systems of oppression. I was going to say corporations, but how would you, how would you frame it? I, I think really, um, I, I like to try to point out the fact that 
it's not so much that we turn to them, but they are really mm-hmm. sold to us. They're made like very easy mm-hmm. for BIPOC, like Black, Indigenous, people of color, and other different maligned identities to engage with. Like um, living in um, a redlined community growing up, um, I would see all the different billboards around me were like alcohol, cigarettes. But when I would leave my neighborhood, the billboards would be for luxury goods like cars and other things. Um, counting the number of liquor stores that were in my neighborhood versus a different neighborhood would be really different. Um, mm-hmm. Things of that nature where... I think that there's this idea that because we're having the experiences that we're having, like you can even look to what's happening right now, um, mm-hmm. like turning to a substance versus that substance being designed to find you and then mm. further stick you in the situation that you're in. Right. Right. Wow. I think that's like super powerful in terms of thinking shifting and I think for me that was uh such a core piece of the ways in which substances are sold to us and I know Bailey and I have talked about it a lot on our podcast in terms of like the inundation of um of messages around uh specifically alcohol but um also the ways the ways in which um it's strategically placed uh, in 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 various communities and neighborhoods, uh, particularly low income. Um, I see it here in Toronto, um, the the positioning and the ge- geographical locations that certain stores are put into, and the access that uh, that folks have. Um, so, if you if you don't mind, what brought you to the journey of um, exploring sobriety um, of of you know, bridging the two, uh, in terms of connecting it to street harassment? Um, so for me, I see, I think it's easy for me to see a lot of things as combined, um, or intersecting. Mm -hmm. I would, I think, um, for myself, I got, I got to see a lot of people in my community that were struggling with addiction. And as a little kid, um, I just had to sit and be like, sit with it and wonder, how did we get here? So why were so many people struggling with alcoholism? Why did so many adults need to have cigarettes in order to be in a good mood? Um, And multiple other things. And I, I think that that led me to see how those different... Uh, multi-million dollar industries were really kind of pulling some of the life out of my um, friends and family and neighbors and in our community where like they may have turned to it for a good time. Like there's a block party, people are drinking, having fun, but then there's a point in which that substance changes the person when they are using it too much. Um, and just Mm -hmm. how easy it is for that to happen. So I think out of the, my own experience with, um, just seeing someone be ruined by, um, alcohol abuse or drug abuse, 
not because they wanted to be, but because it was available to them, was what made me feel like this needed to change. Um, and that I didn't want to be someone who perpetuated the idea that this is part of us or that this is part of how we celebrate with each other or that this is just what happens and there's no way to stop it. Right. I, th- I think that's really interesting too in thinking about, you know, what is, what is it trying to sell us? And I, I'm thinking about um, what you were saying about what it's trying to sell us and yeah, I mean, how you talked about coping and I, we had just talked about this in our last podcast too, about how, especially right now I'm seeing a lot of marketing around like a quarantini and um, five o'clock is every hour in, in quarantine. And um, yeah, the way that alcohol marketing really kind of, I guess, tries to adapt to, to all these different situations. And so in one, one space, it's like for partying and celebration. And now it's like, oh, well also if you're sad and lonely, then, you know, Jack Daniels is your new best friend and and that kind of thing. So I think it's interesting how it's always trying to shift to whatever is needed. Yeah, it's especially prominent right now because I'm just really, (laughs) I'm simultaneously impressed, but also disgusted by how many marketing campaigns are just, it's really hard right now, but this product will help you or this thing will help you. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it does really point out the intentionality of advertisement in that way that someone had to sit and think of a way to sell cars during a global pandemic or sell you booze during a global pandemic. It's pretty wild. Um, And I know for, for, to kind of switch gears for a sec, I wanted to uh, talk a bit about, um, the ways in which uh, sobriety gets navigated in radical organizing communities. Um, I, I think that uh, in my experience, <laughs> um, only in the last uh, couple of years in like Toronto and Ottawa have I seen like a surgence of folks who are interested in talking about sobriety as it relates to like within radical organizing spaces. Um, obviously from a a perspective of recognizing harm reduction. And um, as you alluded to earlier, uh, like, you know, the ways in which um, uh, systems and and states and and advertisers and companies and and basically capitalism is going to kill us all, but uh, how they strategically place um, uh, advertisement of alcohol and, 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 and for us, it's LCBOs in neighborhoods. But um, I find that, uh, you know, yeah, in, in radical organizing, it's something that's like super normalized and, and often really struggle to find sober spaces. So I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit. I think that definitely through my history in organizing, um, I, I think that like group gatherings and people who are uh, trying to organize different communities. I've seen them definitely use um, different substances um, to like kind of get people out to fundraisers and meetings and things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. I am like really grateful for the recent kind of resurgence or interest in um, 
sobriety, but I also do want to point out that um, a lot of radical organizing also kind of spearheaded some early radical sobriety, like the straight edge movement. Um, Mm -hmm. I see a lot of like black power movement connecting to being Muslim and not drinking as part of their Mm -hmm. practice for liberation. So um, it's, it's definitely been an interesting combination uh, when I was coming up and starting to uh, be realized into a young organizer in some ways, um, meeting people who are on both sides of that fence um, that were using different substances and, and things that could be addictive to promote their cause and kind of envelop people into it. And then people who were able to do that without it. And I think it's definitely a double-edged sword where, um, you know, people are so normalized to their connection with whatever substances or things that they um, use and enjoy. They may not really see how they're recreating some of those oppressive structures of those other corporations and benefiting them in the process of trying to organize. Um And so I'm not trying to say that everyone should be perfect and never do that or never have done that. But I think it's the fact that it was, it can be invisible to people while they're perpetuating it is really more my point of how we need to practice reframing it. Absolutely. Um, It makes me think about um, something here in, in Canada that, is a reality is with indigenous communities, there's a higher rate of um, alcohol and drug abuse. And often it's touted as, well, you know, uh, folks um, need to get clean in order to be able to be like, uh, in order to be beneficial to society or whatever framing folks want to use, but not recognizing that systems of like colonialism and, um, that it's that like for some folks, it's a form of liberation um, to be able to use substances freely mm-hmm. in the same vault. It, it is also uh, a tool that that um, does cause oppression and, and, and inability in terms of access to spaces. Right. So it's like definitely hear you when you talk about that double edged sword. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and it really makes me think about how, like, you know, if folks want to use, I, I, part of, uh, doing, you know, radical organizing is allowing people to land where they may, like if folks are like, there's a movement of folks who, uh, use as a form, you use different substances as a form of liberation. Right. And that's dope. And if you don't, that's also dope as well. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, just meeting people where they're at and recognizing the systems of oppression uh, that have led to kind of where we're at. Yeah. Right. And I think there's definitely though something really different between like um, someone who maybe has a connection to growing tobacco or making their own um, alcohol in their Mm -hmm. residence versus someone who's like, getting a sponsorship from Miller life or, um, right. You know, I, I just think that those definitely don't exist on the same plane of, uh, expression, Absolutely. but, um, 
I think too, like a big, a big part of it for me is, um, also based in the fact that a lot of the like larger corporate substances are kind of given to us and perpetuated as a way to create mood shifts or the ability to give you a liberated behavior in certain ways. So being able to loosen up at a party, I better get a drink. Um, being able to wait, like I said before with coffee, wake up in the morning, I need a cup of coffee. Um, and to me, being radically sober means that I can choose to do really silly things at a party completely sober. I don't need the excuse of having to have gotten drunk. Um, and I think that there's definitely a level of um, kind of losing accountability in how... I feel like popular culture and behavior is streamlining some of those mood shifts and those changes in temperature with having to alter your state of mind with some sort of substance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that piece about accountability is really big when I think about um, problematic or oppressive behavior being repeated in social justice movements. Um when when alcohol is such a part of that too and and you know then the the lack of accountability that can happen from those folks um by using alcohol in in that way or as an excuse i guess we see that Um, especially with like sexual violence right like um the ways in which like those those lack of those pieces around lack of accountability show up um but yeah sorry bailey go ahead (laughs) Yeah, no, and that's exactly what I was thinking of is, is the, the sexual violence um, pieces especially that we can see. But I guess, um, Cicely, I, I thought I might ask you, in what ways can we make space for radical sobriety in, in our social justice work or, you know, in sort of a really practical way? How should we be, how should we be creating space for this? Um, I think the most basic form of creating space is like having options. Um, I think that there's definitely a lot of places or spaces I, I might go to, but don't always spend very much time in because they're really tied to having to participate in, um, using a substance. Um, but like think about a lot of the spaces that we socialize in, you know, and, this might not be applicable to the world anymore (laughs) due to the (laughs) pandemic, but um, just like the ways in which we are able to socially connect, I feel like so often involve like having to imbibe something or um, create that atmosphere where you feel like this atmosphere is also partially about that sort of substance. So like, meeting people at coffee shops or bars or lounges Mm -hmm. where um, they don't really have other options. Like um, there's a wine bar here in Detroit that has these really great uh, dance parties sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so I don't always feel like I can go because the only thing they have is wine during the dance party. <laughs> that's, a, like that's it. Like, and so then wow. I'm just a person who came for free. Like, you know, there's no way for me to support the venue um, if they're not offering me anything besides water and wine. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just really like having to fundamentally uh, create other options so that it's not even seen as taboo for you to be there too or be a part of the space or conversation. Mm-hmm. I think like mm-hmm. during <laughs> this sort of like um, really different world that we're a part of right now. Um, being able to like hold space for that sort of accountability and radical honesty with our loved ones is really just an invaluable thing that we could be doing right now. And I think that the, I feel like honesty is a big part of what it means to be radically sober too. Um, being able to say like, this is me, no, um, no imitations and no reason to have an excuse to be a different way. Like being unapologetically true, standing in your truth, unapologetically. Definitely Definitely hoping that people can, can hone in on that. And sometimes I, I find, at least in my experience, um, standing in that truth, uh, means that we lose we lose people, but, um, mm-hmm. well, hopefully, um, we can meet each other with a type of kindness, um, where we can respect each other's truth and see, mm-hmm. I feel like it can lead to some great connection. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. I realized the way that came out was like, you'll lose people, but it's like you will lose and you will gain. Right. Um, folks in your life or maybe Um, yeah I I definitely think there has to be a level of um recognizing that you know in our humanness like that's a part of our honesty and Mm -hmm. you know that we are not perfect and so we might rub each other the wrong way (laughs) but we have to be able to recognize that that's part of the process of being really unapologetically honest and there for each other yeah yeah absolutely so thanks for (laughs) taking time to chat with us um and if folks are interested in learning more about where the work you do where can they find um so i you can check me out at sicily i am on instagram um i also work with hollaback detroit and um you we also have an instagram and a website um, and Hollaback Detroit works to end street harassment and build awareness around different kinds of platforms in which harassment happens. We specifically have been focusing around ways in which transportation can intersect with harassment. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's where you can find me. I had a question. Are you going to be doing a workshop at AFC this year again? Because I know I definitely hope so. I haven't heard back about what's going on, but I did propose another radical sober meetup. Um, And so I I hope we get to be a part of the virtual platform, but I haven't heard back about like what kind of programs will be 
in the programming yet. Um, so we'll see. I okay. I love the AMC, and I definitely feel like it would be a very hopeful and beautiful breath of fresh air to have some sort of connection to it this summer. Well, I'll definitely be able to look out for that. <laughs> so. Um, We'll yeah. share it on my social for sure. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now if it's virtual, it's going to come. Um, but uh, thanks again for making time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unanonymous Podcast. You can send us an email at unanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at unanonymousp, on Instagram at unanonymous underscore project. And our intro music is by acceleratedideas.com and it's called Fade Away.